all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and uh, it's just great to have you guys here this morning and, and to, to celebrate together. Um, go ahead and turn with me to, uh, to Acts chapter 8. That's where we'll be this morning, and uh, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn there or an app or uh, however it is that you read God's Word. If you don't have one with you, if you don't have a Bible or an app or, you know, however, would you please hold your hand up high and keep it up? And somebody will get you one, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and understand um, and uh, follow along with. If you don't own a Bible, please keep this. It's our gift to you, okay? We want to make sure you have a Bible. También si quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Hechos, capítulo 8. So yeah, just again, want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read along and follow along with in, uh, in God's Word and make their own and uh, read and understand in their own heart language. So um, as we get into it this morning, let me just go ahead and pray for us and then I'll kind of do some explaining as we get into our time this morning in Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 26 through 40. Okay, let me, let me pray and ask God to lead our time together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your Word that uh, we're told in Scripture that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. And uh, Lord, we know that we trust in many other things, as we've even talked and sung about this morning, and we're prone to wander, and yet um, the only uh, lasting security and safety and hope and, um, and, and, and life is found in you. Lord Jesus. So we pray that through the Holy Spirit whom you've sent, who we'll even hear about and talk about this morning, we pray that he would would oversee our time, protect us, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts individually and as a community, Lord, to respond in faith and worship to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, just a, a heads up, I have a Hutter. So I just want to make sure that you know where, um, what that is, is it'll kind of come in and out as we go. And um, I actually want to share with you something that I, I sometimes, I haven't sh- shared it in a while, but there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians um, that where the author Paul kind of lays something out that has really informed me and my heart in every week as I come and as I preach, and specifically, again, having a speech in impediment um, really brings me back to you, and it's where the author Paul says this. He says, and I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and my message and my speech were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And and that, I pray every week, is really where we're coming from, that we would come with our eyes fixed on the cross of Jesus and his power and his authority, and that even a stuttering pastor could be used by Almighty God to reveal the good news of Jesus. And um, and, and if you'll, you'll notice this week, we move the cross up, and for the, um, it, every week, again, in our content and in our time, the cross is central to what we talk about and to who we are as a people. And, and then specifically over this week, what's called, what's called Holy Week, Alex talked about that, this week is Palm Sunday, and that begins what has been referred to and celebrated 
celebrated for thousands of years as Holy Week. And this is Palm Sunday. You see the, the, the sash on it is purple, which signifies um, you know, kingship and royalty, and there are palm branches because this is um, what was referred to as, or is referred to as Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem and people um, shouted and laid down palm branches and celebrated him, but didn't really get what he was doing or who he was or who he is because um, they had a different agenda and a different plan in store for what he would do. And then, of course, just one week later, after ministering and, 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 and so much went on in that one week and a bunch of our, our scriptures that we read is, really took place in that one week, in that week in Jerusalem, and then that culminated in Good Friday, which we look forward to um, and anticipate throughout this whole week coming up to you on this coming Friday. Again, we'll celebrate that here. We'll spend time intentionally recognizing the, the horror and the severity of the cross. But we don't pretend that we don't know what comes on Sunday, right? Like, amen, Easter. Jesus raises from the dead. Every Sunday in some way is like Easter Sunday, is resurrection. We celebrate. That's why we celebrate. For some of you who might even wonder, why do we do it on Sunday? The Jewish people used to, used to celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. Well, we do it on Sunday because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. And so that ushers in a new, that informs every facet of life. And so, um, again, we look forward to Sunday, yet especially this week, we intend intentionally look to the cross and consider how are we shaped and informed by the death and resurrection of Jesus. This whole book, Acts, as we're in, as we turn and, and prepare to enter into Acts chapter 8, um, which even this one, you know, you look at it, it says, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and if you go back a couple of pages, it says the Acts of the apostles, but we've been spending, we'll, we'll have spent almost the entire year in Acts, this whole year, and, and it's, it's, it's actually the acts of who? The acts of God. That word acts mean like works, okay, like works on display, and it's the mighty works of God on display, and so what we'll see this morning even specifically is this guy Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch interact is the big idea, the main character is Almighty God working through the Holy Spirit who was sent by Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead, and so that the life, death, resurrection, ascension, rule and authority, and then promised return of Jesus defines all of life. Okay, amen? And so that's what we're going to see as we look at, okay, the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch aren't the main characters here. They're kind of side characters, but the big idea that I want us to see, that we need to see this morning, is that we see God the Holy Spirit using ordinary people to proclaim the good news of hope and restoration in and through Jesus. Okay, so that's what we'll see this morning, just some, some kind of um, preparation for us so we know what we're seeing. And just how this goes, by the way, is I'm going to kind of read and explain, read, explain, and we'll walk through it. But again, it'll always come back to that big idea, the main character of the Holy Spirit using ordinary people to proclaim the good news of hope and restoration and reconciliation in Jesus. And so pick up with me right now in verse 26, and we'll walk through this. And um, as we do, like, engage your, your creative minds here. Because this author, Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, they go together, uses really 
incredible creative language to, um, again, reveal God at work. And, and so for those of us who maybe aren't real artistic or we're just kind of more like, you know, A plus B equals C, just kind of connect the dots and, you know, push up your glasses and go along. Um, this is, there's something really creative going on here. So again, engage our imaginations as we see God's mighty works on display. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. So uh, just some backstory so we can kind of realize what's going on here is this guy Philip is an ordinary guy. Okay, we learned a few weeks ago that Philip was one of the people, Philip and Stephen, good thing Stephen's not in here. I can't even say his name. But um, our worship leader's name is Stephen. So, um, but anyway, so Philip and Stephen are, are called to, to help lead in reconciling some dissension or some kind of difficulty within the church. That so he's a Greek-speaking or a, uh, a Hellenist, a Greek-speaking Jew. And so he's somewhat of an outsider even within the Jewish people, and yet he's called to serve and then God, we saw this last week, God uses him mightily, okay? This guy, Philip, is used in huge ways. He goes up to Samaria, again, an outsider, going to even more outsiders, if you will, to share the good news of Jesus, and God uses him to see many people put their faith in Christ, and then we just now, and then some other things happen. We talked about that last week. I'm not going to recap it all. Go back and hear it from last week, but now we pick back up here with Philip, and he's just going along, kind of on this wild ride of being used by God. And God, all of a sudden, appears to him, an angel of the Lord. He says, go toward the south. And what does he do? The beginning of verse 27. He rose and went. See, it, it's not the norm that an angel of the Lord would appear to you. As we read through this story, let's see again. The big idea is God revealing his character, his power, his authority. It's all on display here, but the norm is not that an angel is going to appear to you, right? Sometimes we expect that. We're like, I'm just going to stay put here until an angel comes up to me or opens the heavens and tells me something. Can God do that? Absolutely. Is that his norm? No. The, but but the, the key thing here is how does Philip respond? Philip goes. Okay, and we'll see what he does next and what he did before. It's all the same thing. He's simply responding to the gospel of Jesus, to the good news of Jesus, to the death and resurrection and authority of Jesus. He's like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. He's going to one place and all of a sudden he's told, go south toward Gaza and he goes and it's a desert place. So he's on the road and he's obeying God. And he doesn't know what's up ahead. He's just trusting. He's following. He's saying, I'm, I don't know. I don't have every, every step along the way mapped out, but God, you do. And here I am. And he's following and he's sent. And so he goes down and then keep going on with me in verse 27. It says, uh, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so kind of stop right there. Before we go into this interaction between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, we need to understand a couple things. Because in our day right now, in 2017, you know, in Tucson, Arizona, we don't have a lot of eunuchs walking around, and we, don't, we would just read this, and let me explain a bit of what's going on here, because there's some really important stuff 
with who this guy is. And when, when he interacts with, with Philip, it's, 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 it's serious. There's a lot of stuff that we need to recognize that's going on. First of all, an Ethiopian. Again, a, a Greek-speaking person, and this book was written with people not used to kind of Jewish Hebrew culture. It was written to, to be shared and dispersed with all these people. So to a Greek-speaking person or the Greek world, and remember Philip is a Greek-speaking Jewish person, right? Ethiopians were held in incredibly high regard. There was like kind of a mystery and a mystique of like Ethiopians are kind of, kind of mysterious, exotic people. This, this queen Candace is known, right? She's got all this wealth. Ethiopia is just south of um, 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 Egypt. Even to this day, many people think that was kind of the, the, the birthplace of humanity. Something, you know, there was this idea of Ethiopia produces um, incredible things. And so there was this awe and this perspective there. So on the one hand, like, Ethiop- like Ethiopia and Ethiopians were held up here. But a eunuch was someone that, especially to a Jewish community, was marginalized in some ways, was kind of an outsider. A eunuch is a male who had his, um, his masculine parts, if you will, in some way mutilated so he could no longer be aroused. And in, and in some ways, he was safe so he could take care of the queen or the different, different concubines or different women and the kings and different authorities wouldn't have to worry about him making an advance because he wasn't able to. And according to Jewish law, okay, are you guys tracking with me? According to Jewish law, it wasn't just like a social kind of faux pas. It was actually meant that you were unclean. And what that meant is you could not access God or participate in community as with God's people fully if you were a eunuch. So this Ethiopian eunuch, though is Jewish and went to Jerusalem to worship, wasn't able to worship fully and freely. And so there's this kind of, this combination of, 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 of kind of mystery going on here that according to Philip, this Ethi- and, and anyone who would be reading this text, and we need to enter in, right? We need to use our imaginations here to enter in. There is this, this, this kind of celebrity status and this outsider status. And, and so that's going on, and there's this incredible, like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know to go up and ask for an autograph or to, like, run away, right? Like, maybe some of us that love sports can think of, like, a professional athlete that we might consider in this same kind of realm, right? Of, like, there's this awe and mystique, but then according to this, this context, there was also this, like, yeah, but I don't really know if I'm supposed to associate with those people. So that's what would be going on in Philip's heart right now. So he's going along on this wild ride as God is using him to, to, to carry about his work, to usher in his kingdom, God's kingdom. Philip's on this wild ride. There's this Ethiopian eunuch, and you see all kinds of stuff that's important here just to see as we continue on that this Ethiopian eunuch was powerful. He's not just an Ethiopian, but he's also an official, a court official. He oversees all of her treasure and her finances, and he's in a chariot, right? That would just, that, that comes into play here, by the way, in a minute um, because chariots go fast, but also chariots were used by wealthy, influential people, and it's not just like he's in his own chariot, right? Just kind of cruising by himself, but he's got a driver, 
right? Because he's reading, and this, he's not, you know, texting while he drives. He's, he's sitting there reading, and someone else is driving this chariot. So again, he's not just like a celebrity. He's a celebrity of celebrities. He's powerful, and yet he's marginalized. He's unclean. He can't fully access Almighty God. So that's some of the context that we would miss if we don't stop and really dig into it. And then it says here that um, in picking up in verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So all kinds of stuff is going on here. Again, first of all, remember, a chariot goes fast. (laughs) Philip runs up to this chariot. Okay, that's not normal. Like, I don't care how fast you think you are. I joke sometimes about up here, and you guys all laugh at me because you know I'm not some, like, super athlete or anything. It's obvious. But, like, no matter how fast you are, no matter what your 40 time is at the NFL Combine, like, you can't keep up with a chariot. So again, this should, this would, should, we should recognize, like, that's not normal. God's clearly doing big stuff here. Like, God the Holy Spirit is at work here through this guy, Philip, who just a couple chapters ago was this outsider, and yet he was called to serve tables and to represent marginalized people And now God is using him and has been using him in incredible ways, including getting like transported to places that he's not. And we'll see that happening again here. And then running up to a chariot, right? So he's just kind of cruising along and he runs up and he says, "Um, hey, Ethiopian eunuch, note there for a second again, that because of his right view of God and his right understanding of the authority and power of Jesus, he doesn't say, ah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an Ethiopian. He's kind of above my you know, status, my social status. I'm not going to go talk to that person. He's no longer intimidated. All right, just think for a moment. Who might you and I refrain from engaging and talking to with the gospel, sharing our faith? Because we're like, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in awe of that person. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I, surely I can't be used of God. Well, listen, hear me. When you rightly understand the glory of Jesus, then you are able to fearlessly engage with anybody, right? There's no one to prove. There's, there, there's nothing to prove. There's nobody to impress. There's nothing that you got to kind of put on and show. There's no one kind of up here and down here. You just, you see people more clearly, and that's what's going on here, and he goes up to him, and also, he's not like, that guy's a eunuch. It's kind of weird, I don't want to go up to him. I don't want to talk to him. Or he's unclean. I might get unclean. He simply responds. The Holy Spirit convicts him and tells him, go up, and he does. And he just says, hey, do you know what you're reading? And then the Ethiopian says, I don't, well, how am I supposed to? Like, come up here and tell me. Notice for a minute. Some incredible things are going on right now, right? We're not going to see this going on every day where you're running like the same speed as a, as, a, as, a, as a chariot being pulled by a horse or horses, right? You're getting zapped into different places. That's not normal. But at the same time, there's something we, we lo- love to say that life is naturally supernatural. 
Again, life is naturally supernatural. You see that right here on display, that on the one hand, Philip is just responding to what God is doing. He just goes up and initiates a conversation. He doesn't know what, what's going to come next. I don't think he has this whole, you know, kind of outline, you know, prepared and planned that he's going to walk through with this guy, which is great if, you know, that can be helpful, these different evangelistic tools and things, but he's simply going along. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, go up and engage this person in conversation, and he does. They get into conversation, and you see the supernatural elements of, you know, being able to run horse-like speed and catch up and all this stuff, and yet also just very natural, just responding to what's before him and what God is doing. And so he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And then he says, well, come up here and join me. And uh, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, verse 32, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Then in verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, um, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else so you see here this ethiopian eunuch is insightful right he's he's reading along he's interested and he's like who's this talking about because this was written this thing that he's reading from isaiah chapter 53 would have been over 400 years before this time that this ethiopian eunuch is reading this so he's like i don't know is this part of isaiah's story i don't really know or is there someone else he's you know talking about what does he what's he mean here And, and so he's insightful and he asks right he's not afraid to ask he 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 comes upon a a question and he's you know intrigued and he asks and then picking up in verse 35 philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, the good news about Jesus, that's the gospel. Okay, we, sometimes we like use that word all the time in Christianity, the gospel, oh, the gospel. This is, you know, there's, there's, you know, gospel music or, you know, gospel truth. You might not even believe in Jesus or consider yourself a follower of Christ. And you might be like, oh yeah, that's the gospel truth. You know, you might say, hey, you know, the U, U of A is the best school in Arizona, and you might just be like, that's the gospel truth. Like, there's no contesting that, clearly, of course. And, right, you might just say that, and we use this word gospel, and it waters down, though, what would be imagined in what this full word and this full idea that's being communicated there. The gospel is the good news. And so Philip begins here in this place, in this scripture, and he recites the good news. Notice here, too, that What's going on here is first and foremost this, that the good news of Jesus, hear me, has to be proclaimed and has to be explained, right? That's not very, very, very popular in our day and in a lot of our, of, of our kind of cultural context. We like to think, ah, I just like to kind of do the right thing and be a good person and, you know, kind of be nice to others. And at some point, people will see and we'll be like, wow, that person just gave me a really good tip. I think I'll put my faith in Jesus, right? That's kind of how we like to, like to kind of go about our lives. Or, wow, that person's a really good student, or they have really high integrity in their workplace. 
Jesus probably died on the cross for my sins. I should put my trust in him, right? That's not usually how it works. In fact, let me say that's not how it works. Can God use whatever he wants to reveal himself and to draw people to himself? Absolutely, but the norm laid out in scripture is that, is that Jesus' people would obey the commands of Jesus and would be sent, would be filled with God the Holy Spirit, whom we're seeing on display here, using ordinary people to share, to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to engage others in conversation and to invite into a response of faith in Christ. That's, that's what happens here. And um, you see Philip responding there. And again, I, I don't think he had it all planned out. He's simply sharing what he's seen and experienced and known to be true. And also notice here that he begins with this scripture in Isaiah chapter 53. There's something significant there as we go on here, as we read that the, the fact that he started there with Isaiah and then went, we've seen a consistent theme, okay? So again, we're kind of going through Acts over the course of a year, and we didn't even read Luke before it. So we would be missing out what the first audience who would be walking through this and hearing this would be connecting all these dots, Okay, that we have the good fortune though if we can kind of talk about it here. You have me here to explain it. You're welcome. No, um, but in Luke, as Jesus proclaims the good news, the same word as he proclaims the gospel of his kingdom at hand, of, 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 of him coming to, to deal with death and sin and, and to, 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 to turn over the kingdom of this world, which is defined by sin and by not God and where identity and purpose and relationship and all of life has been distorted by sin. That's the kingdom of this world. And Jesus triumphantly comes in and says, behold, the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom is at hand. And he's, he's bringing it in. There's a conflict. There's an overwhelming of his kingdom over this kingdom of this world. And when he does that, you see in Luke that he begins with, Moses. He begins with Genesis. He begins at the very beginning and he walks through the whole plan of God, the whole story of God, and then he reveals where he fits in and how he fulfills everything that was prophesied up until that point and how he is the source of everything that will come from that point on. And then similarly, just a couple chapters ago when Stephen, remember F Philip's counterpart, was, was um, put on trial and ultimately was, was, was stoned to death, was killed for his faith. He gave a defense of his faith, right? He shared his faith. And similarly, it says that he shared and he began with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob and he walked through the whole plan and the whole story of God. So again, hear me right now. There's a key theme that's been going on throughout all of Acts and that absolutely applies to our life today. And it's that this seemingly new thing is actually very, very old. Okay, a, 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 another way of understanding that is this. Your life, my life, our lives, our world does not just stand on its own. There is a God 
who has authored the entire story of human history from beginning to end. It all, it all comes back to the person and work of Jesus. And whatever we're going through today, 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, is informed by Almighty God who has written the entire story. And whatever we're going through today, whatever we think is new and is hip and is, and is cool right now, which we think that way, this church in this day would have thought, that's, you can't trust it, right? And perhaps some of us in, in our, here, I assume, in this room today are also thinking, you know, I don't know, like Christianity is kind of a new thing and, you know, it's been interpreted over all kinds of different years and translated and it's just kind of something that people do today. And let me just, just uh, tell you that's not at all the case. That from a historical, scientific um, every other philosophical, every other uh, subject will, would, comes back to this, that you, you, could, you could put the, the good news of Jesus in, in more clearly the Bible, the story of God. And, and, and you see that, that this is written over thousands of years and yet held together clearly by one author, God the Holy Spirit, bringing this to bear through humans, authoring this, and yet it is completely cohesive, always centering upon the life, death, resurrection, authority, and rule of Jesus. The promised return. Creation. God saying, let us make man in our image. And God, God, God declaring the world to be through his very words. And, and then God, God, God creating humanity in his very image and creating you and me and us with incredible purpose and intentionality. And then sin entering in to the world, the fall or the rebellion. And again, right, we don't, we could try to work our way around that, but it's just, a, it's just, it's just true. As Stephen talked about this morning, the world's not the way it's supposed to be. Some of us in our individual personal stories, I believe all of us in our own lives would say amen to that. It's not the way it's supposed to be. My parents weren't supposed to have, have, have split up. My dad wasn't supposed to leave. My wife wasn't supposed to leave. My best friend wasn't supposed to stab me in the back. My, 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 my job wasn't supposed to be this um, unfulfilling. My, my paycheck wasn't supposed to be this short, this insufficient. I mean, you know, fill in the blanks, it's not the way it's supposed to be, and that's been the reality of, of human existence since the, the very beginning, since sin entered into the world. And then uh, creation, fall, redemption, Jesus, the Christ event, the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus, making new what has been broken. And then ultimately, finally, which we still look forward to, restoration or consummation is another way of saying it. When everything is set right, when every tear is wiped away, when every wrong is made right, when every upside down is put right side up. That's the story of God and that defines everything. And so the fact that Philip is able to begin in this scripture in Isaiah chapter 53 and then connect the dots for him and share, no, 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 let me explain this about about Jesus. Let me tell you that hundreds of years before Jesus, that, that he is who this is talking about. And in their context right here, he would just say, just a few years ago, just a few years ago, Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead. Let me tell you more about him. And we don't have all the nuances of, of that conversation here, 
But again, just imagine what was shared. Put yourself in the skin of this Ethiopian eunuch. Men, right? Our masculinity, our, our manhood. This guy was sexually mutilated, was, was seen as unclean, unable to participate with others, unable to have full access to God, though he believed Though he was a Jewish person, he was unable to fully participate in the worship alongside other of God's people. And yet he hears the good news, and then what does he say? In verse 36, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? What prevents you from putting your faith in Jesus? In this man's case, at this time, it was something that had been done to him. For those of you who have not yet put your faith in, in Jesus, let me ask you again, what prevents you from putting your trust in him, from being found in him, from putting your identity and your hope and your purpose in him? For all of us, it would be something that we have done or something that has been done to us or probably for most of us, some combination of both. And we would say, I, I probably can't have access to God. I, I probably don't belong here right now. And yet this Ethiopian eunuch, this outsider, this marginalized person, sees clearly and says, what prevents me? Nothing. The incredible good news because of the person and work of Jesus, because of the life and death of Jesus, Pick back up with me. Read back up in verses uh, 32 and 33. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Jesus, though he could have justified himself, remained silent. So that all of those, you and me and this Ethiopian eunuch, who have no hope of justifying ourselves, can say, because of Jesus... I have full access. Because, because though no matter what kind of bravado we carry, no matter what kind of perception we give about ourselves, we all walk because of sin and humiliation. And yet it says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. So that you can I, so that you and I can have full access to God. Unjustly, Jesus died. Jesus was humiliated, hanging naked on a tree unjustly his father though of anyone who should have absolute full access to God the Father Jesus eternally existing in intimacy that you and I cannot even begin to fully understand that Jesus would have with his own father heard the words or, or, or uh, uh, rather uttered the words why have you forsaken me God the Father turning his back on him so that this Ethiopian eunuch who experienced an entire life of shame and humiliation and of no access to God, no full participation with God's people, can now rightly understand the good news of Jesus and say, what prevents me from being baptized? Let me say to all of us, when you hear the gospel, whenever the gospel, the good news of Jesus is rightly proclaimed and understood, there, there is no option of, of just ambiguity. You always respond. 
It is always either yes, no, or tell me more. And, and, and we see that happen in some people's cases. I know some of us in this room today that have consistently been coming and hearing the good news of Jesus and have said, tell me more. Tell me more. I'll come back. Tell me more. And, and, and let me say again, as we have every time, like that's, this is a safe place for that. Come and hear. Come and, come and hear the good news of Jesus. But at some point, or even continually, we, we want to ask you, what prevents you? Is it knowledge? Is it, is it shame? Is it humiliation? Is it perception that God wants nothing to do with you? Well, let me tell you that, 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 that the, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus tells you loud and clear that nothing pre- prevents you. So I'm, I'm calling you to put your faith in Jesus, to put your trust in him, to acknowledge the, the free access, the good news of hope and of reconciliation that there is through Jesus. And then he says, what prevents me from being baptized? To all of us, I want to ask, for any of us in here who have not yet been baptized, let me ask you, what's preventing you from being baptized? It is such an incredible gift, and you see this on display here, that, that uh, Philip and this Ethiop- Ethiopian eunuch stop the... the the chariot stops and they both went down. We're in verse 38. They both went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Again, this weird conundrum of this kind of exotic celebrity but also unclean outsider. Intimately, there's a baptism that takes place. We have a baptism service coming up here in two weeks, the week after Easter. I know a handful of us are planning on being baptized and it's an incredible time of celebration. So much is on display. So much of what we're talking about here right now is on display in baptism. In this context, you would understand the exodus, being enslaved to others, enslaved, some of us can understand this, enslaved to sin, Enslaved to broken identity, enslaved to shame, enslaved to humiliation, enslaved to hopelessness. And yet the good news of of Jesus is freedom. When someone is baptized, you see that on display. Death. A life of death, a life of hopelessness, a life of brokenness. And yet through Jesus, freedom from slavery from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, from brokenness to restoration, from disunity to reconciliation, from, from being uh, kept at bay from God to now full access to God through faith in Jesus. And that is on display when someone is baptized. And this, this Ethiopian eunuch, this incredible imagery, he is baptized and he enters into new life through faith in Jesus. What is preventing him? Because of the good news of Jesus, nothing. Again, let me ask you, what is preventing you and me from responding to Jesus in hope, in repentance, in confession, in worship? And as is always the case here, when we rightly see no matter what we're going through, no matter if tears are streaming down our face and we're struggling with all kinds of questions, what happens here is that the result is that this Ethiopian eunuch is rejoicing, verse 39. 
Philip just goes back on his merry way. He comes out of the water, out of the water. I don't fully understand it. And all of a sudden, it says in verse 39, the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuchs saw him no more. <laughs> like that's not normal, right? It's kind of weird. And yet it's incredible. It's God working using ordinary people like this guy Philip to carry about extraordinary works. And then we see that Philip down in verse 40, he goes on, he goes up to Azotus and he continues. And the big idea there is he simply continues being used by God. You got to believe scratching his head. He's on this roller coaster, wild ride of just, God, I don't know how I ended up here, but here I am. I will proclaim your good news. I don't know why you've put me here. I don't know why I'm in this job for this season but I'm here, I'm gonna share my faith. I'm gonna share what you're doing and who you are and what you've done. I don't know why I'm in this house right now. I don't know why these are my neighbors. I don't know why I'm in this family, but I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm here for good, <laughs> amen. And guys, as we respond, my prayer is that we would respond in kind. God, here we are, we're ordinary broken people We're rejoicing whatever's going on in our lives because we know that the author and the hero of the story is in control. And we see that Almighty God is carrying out His mighty works with the Holy Spirit using ordinary people to demonstrate and proclaim the incredible good news of hope and reconciliation and acceptance, forgiveness, life, through the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had to, uh, to kind of pull back some of the familiarity and to see you on display, to see your mighty works on display, to see that, God, you use ordinary people. You use Philip a Greek-speaking Jew who was just a couple chapters ago somewhat of an outsider. And yet now we would be tempted to say, this guy's a celebrity. He shared his faith with thousands of people, with many in Samaria. And then in this snippet, he's sharing his faith with one. But that one thought he was insignificant in many ways, thought he was denied access from you. And yet, Lord, you used Philip, you used this ordinary person to share extraordinary news of acceptance and hope and life through the person and work of Jesus. And I pray that anyone in here today who has never put their faith in Jesus, I pray that, that the, the people who are here today who would say, you don't know what I've done or you don't know what's been done to me, I pray that you would Reveal your good news of full access, of full hope, of full acceptance through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So Lord, I pray now that we would all respond individually and communally, rejoicing in this incredible good news of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.